Hey there, this is Nick Davis with Medium Plus. I had the unique opportunity to see Mr. Anthony Bourdain do a live performance here in Seattle, and I've been following Mr. Bourdain's work since back in the old days of a Cook's tour on the, uh, that was the Food Network, and later No Reservations on the Travel Channel, and you know, he has been just all over the world and a real inspiration for my personal travel journey and, and wanting to be involved with fine dining and, and beverages of all sorts. Uh, there was one episode, I think it was No Reservations, where he goes to Tokyo and visits many places, including uh, Shinjuku and the micro bars there. Uh, I went to Japan with my mom for a great trip, and we were staying with a couch surfer named Shin and ended up uh, taking a little journey of ourselves to Shinjuku and, and finding that very bar called the Albatross that Tony visits. And it's incredible. It was about 50 feet wide and four stories tall. Just this little you know, thing packed in there and there was about a million of these small bars in that neighborhood. And it felt so cool to sit at the same bar that uh, Tony Bourdain sat in and even be served by the same bartender. So. He's been a real inspiration to me, and I was uh, very fortunate to be able to see him live. Um, didn't sneak in per se, but um, no, I, I, I got a ticket at the very last minute by chance. Um, went to the box office, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the tickets are 200 bucks a piece," um, and I was not going to do that. But uh, this gal just by chance heard me, you know, talking about the tickets and had a spare one, so I was able to to go in with her um, and we enjoy the show I've uh, and I thought hey you know a lot of my friends are working and weren't able to see it so I would uh, pass it along so I, I got my iPhone out and did a little bootleg recording for you all it's about an hour long and Tony covers everything from gluten to Guy Fieri uh, Isis and vegans uh, all the hot topics of the day so uh, it's hilarious. You can hear my goofy laughter and uh, Tony's raw, non-TV edited uh, commentary. So uh, enjoy, and um, I hope this uh, doesn't get pulled, but if it does, that's okay. Um, so download it if you want. Okay, cheers. I didn't get pissed off when uh, Bubba Gump opened. Why should I care? Like, I 
open up is, tell the restaurant, I don't care. Guy Italian nachos. Okay, I'm pretty sure those don't occur in Italy. I've never seen them on the menu. Nor have I seen them in Mexico, for that matter, but I shouldn't care. Okay, he puts barbecue pork inside an Ori roll. That's uh, irritating, but he smells culinary with a K. Why? <laughs> I should be able to let it go. You know what I mean? Why? Why? Life is good. If anything, I should be relating to. In fact, I do kind of relate to Guy Fieri. Look, I'm 59 years old. Okay? Guy's got me what? 52, 53 right now? I don't know what he even noticed. Homegrown talent. 
you know, he was a contestant on, uh, what was it, Next Food Network Star, and he became a huge hit for them, a breakout hit, and it convinced the Food Network, you know, hey, we don't need these high-ticket chefs anymore. We need these guys with their big egos and their restaurants and their professionalism. We don't need that. <laughs> so I was like, God, yeah, well, uh, you know, we're really grateful for building this network and making us tens of millions of dollars and all your years of service and your thousands of shows and all your hard work and transforming the entire color of your television landscape. So we brought you to the yellow Lamborghini, just like that. Yes, come on. It's, uh, it's waiting in the parking lot. They bring them all back to the parking lot. It's right the Ha, 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 ha. 
guess, you know, five times a day, you know, whatever. <laughs> Look at the bobblehead they're traveling across America, looking for the perfect omelet, you know. Yeah, they should do that show together, that'd be sort of cool. <laughs> I don't know. They call what's what we call food shows now, it's food porn, right? And, and, and much like real porn, you never make it through the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Kitchen, or he's on the network, and then what's worse 
is even the contestants are all news meat. There's this entire strata of people who move from reality show to reality show. And it doesn't even matter. It's like, you see the people cooking for you, trying to get on the show, or they're already on the show, and you're picking up for you, and it's, wait a minute, you played the part of the, you know, the heartbroken cowboy or chop, you know, you were talking with a thick uh, <laughs> Texas accent, you wore a cowboy hat on that one. But they all sort of know the drill. Um, and, and they don't just do cooking shows. Like, they'll do a cooking show, then they seem a millionaire matchmaker. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, really, I mean, like, like, a falafel. I'm trying to decide, is this person going to be on my team? And I look up and say, wait a minute. You're the girl with, like, didn't you give everybody chlamydia on The Bachelor or something? <laughs> I know you. What do you do? I see Adam Richmond has lost some weight, which is good. I've lost weight. Adam Richmond has lost weight. I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, not as well as my wife, but I, 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 I go to the gym every day and let a large, sweaty Brazilian dude try to choke me unconscious. Uh, Adam quit that show, uh, A Man Vs. Food, which I'm happy about because, let's face it, there was something morally crucified about that one. You remember the show? Man Vs. Food. Now look, we live in a world where people are hungry and there's food insecurity across this country and is something already a little questionable about seeing an already pleasingly plump young man traveling around taking competitive eating challenges? You know, you get nine minutes to eat a nine-pound cheeseburger with bacon, two orders of onion rings and two strawberry shakes. You know, gotta get into the wire. What, what does he get if he completes the challenge? He gets a t-shirt, right? That was really like fucking t-shirts. Or you get a picture on the wall in the pantheon of heroes. That's, you look just like that before his esophagus tore. <laughs> Who watches this show? A lot of people clearly do. It's a huge hit. But why did you watch it? Or why did you watch it? Look in your heart. Ask yourself, why am I watching this terrible spectacle? You want him to die. <laughs> people watch that show year after year for the same reason they went to see Cynthia Roy every year. <laughs> Big deal, a couple of Germans in Spangly, Spandex outfits make the tiger sit on a chair. No, that's not what you're going to see Why are you going Because you're figuring, today is the day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big fucking bite out of the journey. <laughs> More worrisome, I think, is their reaction around the world. And something that I've noticed in my travels is, you know, look, impoverished areas everywhere. I don't care about the Amazon. You know, Central Africa, uh, Southern Asia, I spent a lot of time in these places, and one of the things I've seen is that no matter how rural or impoverished, once people get a few bucks, their first purchase is generally a motorbike. So they can get their kids to school, they can get to the river to get water, they can get their product if they're growing stuff to market, it gives them a certain degree of mobility. Second purchase is a satellite dish to join the conversation. And something I have noticed, no joke, is that man versus food is really popular in places like Iran, Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan. I was thinking, what? Why? What's going on here? They don't particularly like this in these countries, I didn't think. What is it about this show that they're attracted to? Perhaps it's reinforcing some already held impression of what Americans are like. And I thought, 
I don't know is in Afghanistan. Let's say uh, yeah, he's a shepherd uh, up along the Pakistan-Afghan border, Waziristan. Not particularly politically affiliated man, but, but, but struggling out there with his flock 12, 14 hours a day, dodging drones, staggers home at the end of a long day's work, sits down on a bare dirt floor, and his wife brings him a, like a pile of, of stale flatbread, maybe some watery chickpeas, and he's lucky a little cold goat fat to get his bread in, turns on the old boob tube, see what's on, and there is Richmond. <laughs> Shoving more animal protein into his face in nine minutes than this guy's extended family is likely to see in two years. And he's not even enjoying it. He's, he's choking. His, the tears are running down his face. Slot is running through his nose. He's, his face is red. He's cheating. In the background, all of these other equally bloated Americans in fat shirts are all going, Everyone, everyone. 
the camera adds 10 pounds, so they go in the other direction until they do tiny, desiccated, shriveled, like skeletal creatures with these giant, out of balance, bobbly heads. Cranius <laughs> Duramentus, as it is called in the literature. <laughs> suggesting that we should aspire to that. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm sort of confused as to what to do. Should we legislate against some of our more grotesque excesses? We're, we're, you know, diabetes is skyrocketing, uh, obesity in this country is clearly a problem. And I don't know where to come down. I mean, libertarian, Tony says, look, this is America. It's my God-given right to whatever the fuck I want. If I want to eat like the world's largest cinnamon and wash it down with a 200 ounce Mountain Dew, that's my goddamn life as an American thank you very much, Mrs. Obama. <laughs> but on the other hand, national security, Tommy says, what if Donald Trump is right? <laughs>
that was useful. I mean, when Alvin Macaulay opened the bottle in New York, he thought you should be eating coxcombs and kidneys and brains, and people said, wow, it's not a Mario from TV. I will try those things, and that's good. Remember that quaint idea that customer is always right? We know that's not true. The customer was always wrong. Who knows better than the chef what they're good at? So that power shift was certainly good, but we have reached this weird sort of point in history where we like making people feel bad about their food choices. That's, that's what it's kind of all about. And I'm against making people feel bad about their food choices, except on Instagram. <laughs> because that's what Instagram is for. Come on, it I mean, if I'm, if I'm in Italy and I'm eating uh, fresh fettuccine with a big heap of freshly shaved white truffles, and I take a picture of that and I put it on Instagram, I'm not looking to share. I'm not hoping that people who see it are eating just as well as me. I'm hoping they sit there in their dirty undershorts eating the mustard and butter sandwich. <laughs>
other signs of the culinary apocalypse. Bacon tattoos. It's like every chef, every city I go to, the chefs have gotten to the pig, and I love bacon tattoo. You know, I love pussy, but I don't need a tattoo. Whole range of flavors, it's just like 
soap over sort of jack a lot of the flavors. So I've been looking into this umami. Apparently, the literal translation, I think, the Japanese the umami is, I will suck your dick for a bite on that hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> but look, umami, the fifth flavor, comes from MSG. It's a natural substance that occurs in things we like, like Parmesan cheese and breast milk. It's a natural substance. It comes from the sea, from like a kelp or seaweed or something like that. It's what makes food delicious. We use it in snack food for that reason. It also allegedly causes Chinese restaurant syndrome, right? People always <laughs> you know, you take a lot of girl in China and say, what do you have MSG in that? I don't want to get the rash and the headache. Chinese food causes that. There is no, and I mean zero, clinical or empirical evidence connecting MSG in any form with any of these symptoms. It is a big lie. Okay? <laughs> MSG! <laughs> MSG does not cause Chinese restaurant syndrome. You know what does? Racism. That's what <laughs>
lot of magnificent and interesting and painful and frightening and, and awesome shit in this world. And I'd like to see as much of it as I can and get given the opportunity. And so the idea that we could go to Thailand and not eat anything, everything, really offends me. It's like going to the Louvre. You get one chance to go to the Louvre and pass. I mean, before you go in, you say, today I will only be looking at paintings in the color black and blue. <laughs> I don't care about others, but they're no, not, not, not important. Not important enough to, like, you know, sell you my whistle-clean colon or my conscience. <laughs> Plus, it's rude. Let's face it. Look, if you live in the industrialized world, if you live in Seattle or New York or Paris, for that matter, or Austin, Texas, or pretty much anywhere in America, you can be a vegan or a vegetarian without offending anybody or bending anybody out of shape. I mean, let's face it, if your friends invite you to their family Christmas, certainly you can call ahead and say, Whoa, it's blank. <laughs> You don't turn that down. You see me? You still have 
for the tea. <laughs> you know, we can track that warthog into the Kalahari Desert, Bushman, you know, they're hunter-gatherers, they don't raise, they don't grow stuff, they don't, they don't keep domestic animals. They go out there and scrounge up whatever they can. This thing is, you know, they hunt it down with, uh, you know, these primitive poison arrows, they shoot it, track it across the desert, sit there for hours in the roaring sun, apologizing to it and singing to it, then they drag it across the desert back to the little village, by which point it's clearly not too funky fresh. <laughs> Zip it open, and the chief comes up in with his shit encrusted hands and a rusty knife with a little squiggly undercooked hunk of rectum. You know, what I'm noticing is that the whole village is standing there watching. And now, you know, I hope this guy doesn't embarrass our chief, you know? Face is important. I'm gonna, I had a very good idea what was gonna happen to me when I ate this. And I was not disappointed in this regard. <laughs> Father, but 
but I, I'm making up for lost time in ways that are not always attractive, and I'm trying to express myself, I'm trying to express affection and love through, through food, which is something, you know, if you grew up Jewish or Italian-American, you know that I'm not going to you know, most of my, I just when I look back on my childhood, a lot of my happiest moments uh, and fondest memories are sort of smell and flavor related. You know, going to the Jersey Shore as a kid, you know, all of like the wonder years, all of us loading into the, 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 the station wagon, driving off to the beach. And, you know, I remember steamer clams and, and you know, fresh corn on the cob in season and Jersey tomatoes and, and steamed lobster and little boiled new potatoes. And, I want to share that with my daughter uh, on a particular vacation when we drive off to the Jersey Shore or beaches in Long Island. But I, I'm a little too sort of, you know, 30 years in the restaurant business, those habits die hard. So I'm being in a Tupperware, and my, my refrigerator also is filled like with like labeled Tupperware containers filled with food that like labeled and dated. <laughs> As soon as I get home from this trip, I'll start filling up the refrigerator again with, uh, with food. It's like, okay, this is for lunch, and this will be for dinner, and that's for school tomorrow, and that's for, that's for next week when, I'm, when daddy's gone, you know, we'll have that too, and all of this. And of course, I'm making the fact that my wife, when I married my wife, that's a good Italian, nice Italian girl, finally out on with that sort of Italian lifestyle I was admired and yearned for. But of course, she's a fighter. She only eats protein. So pasta is like a carbs of the enemy in our house. I go home the whole refrigerator stacked with nothing but like meat and protein shapes. It's, it's like I live in Chuck Norris or something. <laughs> so I immediately start cooking and filling up a couple of red containers and dating And this is the fucked up part. While on vacation, I have a cycle menu. Like I, I tape it up on a refrigerator door. And keep in mind, my wife can't eat half the stuff I'm cooking. So it's really me and this eight-year-old girl. Right? And I'm like, okay. Wednesday, the lobster and the steamers will arrive. I will prep them on Wednesday night. I will serve them on Thursday. The leftovers will be rolled into lobster rolls on Friday. And then they're all planned out for the entire week. So the dog's like, yeah, yeah, can we go to Dairy Queen? No, Friday's lobster. Go <laughs> <laughs> memories, go to memories. <laughs> and of course, in the ultimate irony, and I richly deserve this, my daughter loves Food Network. <laughs> Alton Brown is a god
least once a year where your parents maybe you can you go into school and you read from a couple of books, only from Madeline or, or, or you know, some kind of kids book. Afterwards, it's a question and answer period when people ask you, you know, what you do and how you do it about your life. And I look, I don't want to brag, but I, I think I have a not uninteresting life. <laughs> Every time I go and I read from the book, then it's like, okay, any questions? First question. It's like, do you know Andrew Zimmer? <laughs> yes, I know Andrew Zimmer. Next question. Really? Does Andrew Zimmer eat brains? <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure Andrew Zimmer eats brains. In fact, I know he eats brains. Next question. Does Andrew Zimmer eat bugs? <laughs> yes. I know for fact Andrew Zimmer eats bugs. Next question. Timmy. Does Andrew Zimmer eat TV parts? <laughs> yes, Timmy. Andrew Zimmer eats dick. All right, eats a lot. Okay, and there we go. That was the live performance of Anthony Bourdain in Seattle. 
thank you to Ashley for hooking up that ticket for me. I really appreciate it. Now, after the performance, I ended up hanging out in the lobby for a while. I ran into my friend Chris and we were shooting the breeze and most of the crowd had left at that point. And I look around and there's these people passing around trays of hors d'oeuvres all of a sudden and glasses of wine. And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, I didn't have a fancy badge or anything, so I, I essentially crashed this uh, after party that was going on. So, you know, I stuck around and uh, enjoyed the good company and all the fine things. And there was a, a line and grabbed a spot in the line and had the chance to get a photo with the man himself, Mr. Tony Bourdain. So that photo is on the website there if you want to check it out. And I feel very fortunate to have basically been a part of that that party there and so that's a lesson to all of you who want to you know go to a live performance and maybe get a bonus is stick around and um, I love doing things like that that may be against the rules who knows so special music today brought to you by Xavier Cameron a good buddy of mine and you can catch his work um, Twitter uh, twitter.com uh, slash xcameron03 he's also on SoundCloud soundcloud.com slash zavetown z-a-v-t-o-w-n known him for a while and he lays down a good beat as you can tell so uh, you can find me online at medium plus uh, mediumplus.com or facebook.com slash medium plus everything please do share this with any friends i appreciate your support um, and this is a fairly new venture of mine so let's get the word out and i will have more goodies coming for you soon so until then peace thanks <laughs>